I wonder how long it's been since my brother and I began to see things other people can't see. It's kind of ironic that we're recording this episode tonight in regards to the source material and all, because for the first time in my life, and I, I will definitely accustom or just account this towards my lack of financial acclimates. Just basically, I'm a broke asshole. Um, my neighbor was kind enough to go ahead and take me out to the bar, and I had Patron for the very first time in my life. I had Silver Patron. And maybe for the last time. <laughs> and probably for the last time, because ironically enough, my entire body and butthole feel like fucking horribly possessed. And I'm pretty sure whatever reputation I had going on, like, I'm surprised no photos were tagged of me last night. Just from Not like, yet, at least. I mean, it's, it's only a day in, so you never know. Yeah, so this the speak of photos and possession, I don't know, it kind of just struck an ironic tune with me. Oh, goodness. I, I don't know. I, I have only drank in tequila one time, and I, yeah, possession's probably the least of your worries. Uh, that, that stuff's terrible, dude. I don't know how you do it. I, I think I drank 151 once, and that, I, I swear to God, I thought I was in another fucking world. Like, <laughs> fuck possession. I thought I was, like, in space you, or something like that. That's insane. If you guys don't drink a lot, 151 is not, not, not something that any, any no. normal human should be drinking on a, at all. Well, normally we, we don't true. really endorse liquor. We're very big on like ale or spirits or beer, really. Like liquor is not my strong suit. And what's so funny is like the only other tequila that I'm sort of friendly towards. And there's a, it's just so weird out of all the tequilas. But in uh, when when I just like moved out of my mom's house and everything, and I was starting adulthood, and I was drinking underage within random fucking social events and whatnot. There is this. I'll never forget it. Somebody just fucking plopped it down on the table like it was a goddamn saloon and they were trying to make some sort of dramatic reverb effect to where everybody in the room just stops and turns around mm-hmm. because like, oh my god, we're experiencing liquor for the first time. Fucking drops this bottle on the counter table and it's Casadoras and it's tequila and there's a fucking elk on the label and like the first thing that came to mind, I'm like, I don't know if I can trust this. And like, what do you mean? I'm like, I- I've never, ever even within the shadow of my fucking doubt of my mind ever conceived a notion that elk are in Mexico. So if you're going to fucking slap a non-nationalistic animal on what's supposed to be like a very traditional nationwide liquor, like shit's up, dude. Mm -hmm. That's a fucking, that's a trick. That's a lie. But it, it, I can assure you it tasted anything but nor did it, it, (sighs) it did not taste like elk. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, and it's false advertising. No, but apparently I found out that Casadores is uh, Spanish for hunters. So, <laughs> this week on Press Radio, uh, we'll be nothing about elks or hunters. No, instead we're gonna go ahead and give our uh, annual Halloween treatment to uh, one of the well is touted to be one of the scariest games around within video game history, Fatal Frame, and. I don't know how we did it again, but we convinced some other guy, way better than us, by the way, to come on and talk to us about it. So let's go ahead and cue that theme music. (laughs) 
All right, everybody. Welcome to Press Page Radio. I don't know what it is, man. Some of the intros are getting either better or worse. Like, I think we, I would just... We, we tend to go off the rails quite a bit. I think we're just, like, on a whole different track now. No, apparently, like, it was so funny because uh, I, I had a friend just come to me about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually yesterday, getting off of work before we went out drinking and whatnot. And he comes to me and he was just like, dude... Your ass being a coin star—that's fucking priceless. Oh. <laughs> when did when did when did that ever happen? And what's funny is he was mutual friends with the dickheads that did that to me. Oh, so Christ. like it was it was just funny. The yeah, fact he should have known about out, it already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he finds out about it from my fucking uh, our podcast that I didn't even accumulate him listening to to begin with. Anyway, um, welcome everybody. I'm a little under the weather. I'm slightly hungover. And usually, it's it's kind of a thing you you would come to expect. Uh, Every other week, uh, with me this fine evening is my better half, my the John Stamos to so my David Coulier. Uh, that would be Andrew Hanshu Toast. Pro- probably the best like reference I've ever gotten in my life. If I can be like Uncle Jesse, I'm doing something right. So that, that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't been possessed or or drunk or anything yet, but the night's still young. Yeah, the night the night is definitely still young. You know what's funny is I have a birthday party to go to like right after this, and I'm probably oh, Christ, not going to go. You can't be burning the candle at both ends like that, dude. Just don't do it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, this fucking, this year, I swear. And then with us, coming all the way from the land of the East, um, I'm I'm fucking privileged to have this man on. And it's funny because I I usually stop giving the figure to fellatio just about right here in the show. But I'm going to give him a little extra more because, like, this guy is a personal hero of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he agreed to come on to our show. And he did so without the full knowledge of knowing our show. So we lucked out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be James Milkman Milky, uh, who's currently with Q Entertainment, I believe, right? Yep. Q Entertainment uh, basically was involved with the recent release of quite possibly one of my favorite, if not one of the best releases of 2011, Child of Eden. Thank and you. and uh, EGM alumni as well. Yeah, that feels like a, a long time ago. <laughs> it's, it's only been a few years, but it feels like uh, feels like a decade for sure. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you coming on. And honestly, like I can say, like people still cling to that. I mean, it's like we want it to be like five years ago all over again. Like we're so sad that kind of stuff isn't around anymore. Yeah, so uh, we are honored to have you on the show. We really appreciate it. And thank you for you know probably I'm sure you're probably up pretty early over there as well. So we definitely appreciate that. Uh, it's not too bad. It's like 11:30 a.m., so I'm up. I am definitely up. That's awesome. We appreciate it, sir. No yeah. problem. I wonder what the caffeine is like in Japan. Everything's like, caffeinated in Japan. Every every vending machine is loaded. It's top heavy with uh, canned coffee, so oh, wow. you uh, you have no shortage of caffeine. That's good to know. <laughs> I wonder if the wardrobe is caffeinated. You just put it on and automatically feel energized. I think everything's Amazing. caffeinated. The water. The water. <laughs> yeah, just put in the water supply there. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, this month, if you guys didn't notice, it's October, and Press Pause Radio, we, we've been known to endorse our fucking love of Halloween. And within the last couple of years, we've done, you know, here and there. I mean, last year we had the Zom giveaway. Where I gave one of you fucks over two hundred fifty dollars worth of video games. <laughs> um, wow! Yeah, we uh, this year we're gonna come to your house and we're gonna scare the shit out of you. So yeah, one lucky winner. No, this year um, 
you just get the pleasure of listening to us like you do every other week. So, <laughs> like, happy Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh god, you can definitely hear like my bullshit voice like when I'm laughing. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. No. Um, last year we did a special on zombies, and I gave away. 15 zombie-related games, and I think it was the only way I got away with giving away my extra copies of Oni Chambra. So yeah, you probably you probably couldn't pay someone to take some of those, man. No matter <laughs> making another one. Oh, good lord! I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I like to Oni Chambra. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's got that right B movie taste to where I don't know, man. It's it's that it's that sensation where it feels so wrong and it feels so right. It's like fucking your stepsister. Like it's wrong, but it still has a sensation that you can't argue with too much. But no, we won't get into the semantics. Uh, yeah, it's honestly just wrong. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So this year we are doing another games club. Uh, really, really soon after. I mean, we've been pretty busy this October, and I like it. But we're gonna take a nice little break afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, and. We have played Fatal Frame, which is available for the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. And unfortunately, I really wanted to see if one of us can play it on Xbox, because I don't know if the uh, versions are identical or if they're slightly different. Somebody, I was trying to do some research. Uh, there's a project. Now, is Project Zero the name of the game in Japan, James? The, yeah, the, the game is called Project Zero in Japan. or and The first one is called Zero. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they renamed it Fatal Frame for the U.S. just because um, they didn't think Zero would really mean a lot to uh, uh, Western gamers. So they wanted mm-hmm. to um, create a name that reflected the actual game a little bit uh, closer. Well, you know, it works out. Um, it, seemed like, it seemed like the Xbox version, I, I know it had a couple extra things. Like there's a, a different ending. Um, and then like some extra like difficulties or something like that, but I think it stays true to the actual PS2 version. I believe. Yeah, so. they they did up-res the graphics a little bit um, in the uh, in the Xbox version, but it wasn't a huge huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I think it, 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 it more or less it would have been like the treatment they gave to uh, Onimusha and Genma Onimusha, which I it's my favorite version out of yeah. the, between that and the PS2 version. Yeah. Um, they have more costumes and ghosts in the Xbox version, and they? they have a, they have another mode. Uh, I think I'm not sure if it's a harder difficulty or not. I never I didn't play it that much to uh, that I could accurately remember. But um, the Xbox version was the slightly superior version for sure. Yeah, that's kind of the one I was hoping I'd get my hands on, but it seems like PS2 is a little more readily available. Yeah, the the uh, Japanese yeah, Xbox down. ones are super expensive. Like Ooh. for Fatal Frame and Fatal Frame Two, mm-hmm. they they were both ported to Xbox, and I guess it's probably just because there's so um, few copies around that they cost anywhere from about 150 to 200 dollars in Japan. Jesus Jeez. Christ! Yeah, yeah, crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, they're not that. They're kind of pricey here in the states too. Like um, I was able to get away. Normally, if you find the whole trilogy in you know the the store that shall not be named, it's generally uh, <laughs> it's generally uh, around ninety dollars in mm-hmm. in used pricing. And what's funny is I I used the uh, the reward program that comes with the membership to lower that down to get all three for uh, 
30. But you know what's funny? Yeah, the, the, the Fatal Frame series kind of pulled like a fucking Soul Calibur to where the first two are multi-platform, then the third one's PlayStation 2 exclusive, and yeah. then the fourth one is Wii exclusive, but they don't port it over, and I can't imagine why. It's it's among the list that Operation Rainfall is like going to get to if they can even succeed with their current priorities. Yeah. Which I I still don't understand. Like that one it's it's a major publisher, it's Tecmo. And granted Tecmo doesn't really have a lot of notoriety beyond Ninja Gaiden or Dead or Alive. I mean, nobody really cares for anything they've done with fucking Rygar or Trapped or Deception. And I can't yeah. really think of anything else that Tecmo's done other than like some anthology releases. Like they've they they've had a very subtle but still like heavy hold like it I don't know. Tecmo is one of the few Japanese developers that I, I especially appreciate amongst like all the other developers, and, and usually they were only accustomed to seeing like some niche JRPGs, like anything from Nis America, Atlas, or uh, what else could I be Nipponichi or anything of that nature. So, I, I mean, and, it, seems, it seems like it's pretty popular in Japan, though. I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they do like a re-released version right before Four came out in Japan? Well, they always put out um, uh, greatest hits versions once you pass a certain sales threshold, but it, uh, they didn't do like a uh, director's cut or anything of the third one. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the fourth one sold about 75,000 copies, which I guess is a minor success, but um, yeah. uh, I think what they were hoping for was to um, you know, basically ca- cash in on the popularity of Wii, but yeah. you know, hardcore games don't really sell so well on Wii. Um, at least games that aren't made by Nintendo. Yeah, and, George. Uh, <laughs> Whatever, man. Fuck you. Like I can, I can name off twenty five right now that would justify why you're a loser for getting rid of yours. I know, I know. I'm sorry, James. This is kind of an ongoing thing that we have with the Wii. Uh, I'm kind of against it. He's he's all for it. So yeah, I wish you, hardcore games what, what you're actually saying sold is true. Wii, but you know, yeah. uh, like games like Mad World only sold. Uh, so depressing. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, any vanillaware game, like. The they did Maramasa, and that didn't do hardly anything. And that's still, I'm still hoping that was coming out for Xbox. And after Tokyo Game Show, they did nothing for it. Just nah, it's depressing. The thing that blows my mind about Fatal Frame on Wii is apparently there's another one coming, and it's also uh, another Fatal Frame is coming for Wii. Ah uh, man, it was announced at the Nintendo conference in 2010, so last year. Yeah, I don't know how that's going or if it's still uh, still being made, but that's that's what the internet says. It's just I don't really think the image and the marketing that's basically done been undergone with the Wii within the last couple of years now stirs developers away from it. And I like I don't know, like, you know, you have the advantage of actually being in the nation that we usually would reference some sort of popularity. And what's funny is like Japanese hardcore games, uh from what we've done a research before when we were like talking about Operation Rainfall, have actually had higher NPR numbers in the States, North America in general, if you count Canada. Um but and they don't come over. Yeah, just I, I don't understand, but you know, there's a lot of games that I really feel really take a unique advantage of the Wii still. Like I'll I'll defend the Okami version over the PS two version any day of the week. I will defend Fragile Dreams, Little King's Story, basically some really amazing but obscure titles that completely get overlooked, and like mm-hmm. it's a it's a fucking shame. Well, here's yeah. one one insight to the fourth um, Fatal Frame uh, that came out on Wii, the Grasshopper manufacturer developed one. Um, Tecmo let Nintendo publish that as a first party title, 
So um, I guess because they figured it was a better deal, they'd get better distribution and all that stuff. So because it was a Nintendo title in terms of who published it and not a Tecmo title, that's why it hasn't come over to the States because you know Nintendo has that policy where if they don't publish it in the U.S., nobody else is publishing it in the U.S., so, you know, oh. I guess Nintendo didn't think it was feasible for the United States, so uh, I wouldn't hold out hope for that one coming over. Yeah, or well, that, that kind of makes sense, though. And because it was published by Nintendo, that may, uh, you know, that may have uh, a lot to do with why it wasn't ever ported over to PS3 or Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it was some sort of fucking bitch tiff over other M's like performance. Scaby bastards. Well, the Fatal Frame 4 came out well before Other M did. So, I mean, if they were waiting to see how Other M did, I I don't know. Maybe they had to do Other M as kind of like, um, you know, payback for publishing Fatal Frame 4. (laughs) I don't know. No idea. All righty. So before we go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of the discussion, uh, we we went ahead and we talked to you guys. So, oh, no, Halloween we all have. We all have our nice little traditions. I mean, Andrew still trick-or-treats. Um, yeah, it's I creepy, just, but I still do it. He still does it. Um, I just usually get knocked back and like hand out some candy for the first hour or so. And what's funny is like I don't have to wear a costume and just scare kids with like my fucking beard and my voice. And, um, and then afterwards, I go ahead and cause mischief from there. But uh, we went ahead... We uh we first we ask you guys the scariest game that you guys have thought of and uh we kind of surprised at the answers we got. So Chris Rogers writes certain parts of Arkham Asylum were pretty creepy. And mm, the scarecrow stuff I would probably admit to that. That was that was kinda creepy. Yeah, just the fear toxins and whatnot. And and even that's that that's all dependent in my opinion on the investment that you have in that universe. Like I'm I'm really invested in the DC universe as we've all talked about. So just like those moments of like basically s- simulating uh you, Bruce, you know, at the age of 8 like walking down Crime Alley and going through that shit and having like this sort of fourth wall third person monologue just like mind fucking him through this out of body of experience to like totally leaving him like this crippled shell that he had to battle through mm-hmm. if you look at it from that perspective yeah it's, it's more demented than it's creepy or scary but i don't know what do you think about that james i'm sorry what's the question <laughs> <laughs> um what's the scariest game you've played and why and that's something we asked our listeners and our First response was uh, certain parts of Arkham Asylum. Right, right. That I, I, I never really felt like Arkham Asylum was that scary. I mean, creepy as you described it is the right word in in some parts, but it never felt. I never wanted to stop playing because it was so scary. Um, I'd have to think about that. Um, is it okay if I just rattle off some of the things that hit? You know, hit me. Uh, yeah, no, that's cool. We, I mean, we, we've got a couple more responses, and then we can all share. Okay. Um. In fact, Joe, Joe, Joe is just funny, but uh, Joe Mugga, <laughs> Joe Mugga, Joe Mugga. He, that uh, <laughs> I still can't believe it's real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, I'd go for the Silent Hill series in general, or Alan Wake. And me personally, Alan Wake is not fucking scary. It's Alan, not. It's it's just you get stressed out thrilling. when like when like shadows come at you and you don't see shit it's more about the fact that the camera's kind of shitty 
that makes it so creepy. But I don't think yeah, it's scary for that. the sake of being. Yeah, it's just you. You see guys coming from all angles. You don't see them. It's more of a startle kind of effect more than anything else. I mean, I like that's, the concept of it, but it's not scary at all. That's the Silent Hill series. Uh, when I was playing Silent Hill two and three, I was just kind of amazed at how I was constantly walking towards the camera and I couldn't see what I was walking towards. I mean, that's kind of an artificial fear. Yeah, and uh, I don't really think it's. Uh, I think it's kind of unfair. I, I, I remember talking to the Silent Hill team. And saying that, you know, you guys should reward your gamers with a like an unlockable, like a, a lights on mode. Because if you're just able to flip the lights on in these places, I mean, it would be it would still look kind of gross, but the fear would go out of it completely. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that you're basically making players walk completely through the dark and you can't see where you're walking. I mean, it's I think that's a little cheap. Yeah. And yeah, but it's effective. I mean, and if you think about it, I don't know, I. I guess I can counter that with the the whole comprehension or the concept of fear itself is building out the the ambiotic effect of not only not knowing but feeling like you're less and less in control when you don't have video games empower most players and give them a sensation of control or being able to manipulate control through practice of skill and and just overall re- repetition of play in survival horror games, you're purposely disadvantaged, sometimes to a point where like, there are certain points where it's just an all-out flaw. But you're to accept these disadvantages and the fact that you know there's a sense of helplessness. and like It's basically, as James said, it, it's an artificial fear. But it's an artificial fear, if anything, that complements the actual fear components itself. It's kind of like when you're eating a hamburger and you get to all the, like the shitty condiments on the edge, but then you get to the real meat in the middle and you had to get to, in order to get to that meat in the middle, you know, you had to eat through all the shittiness. And then if you just ate the meat in the middle, you'd still kind of feel like you were cheated, you know, like, fuck, I could have yeah. had more to this thing. The thing of it is though, if you have to go through all that stuff, that's not necessary just to get to what's really effective. That's not good game design. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't have to trudge through all that kind of stuff. That's not done well. Um, and and I honestly, I think when it comes to scary games, I, I think a lot of these games, they're not scary because they're like, honestly, like just you fear for, you know, whatever it is, like you're scared or whatever. I think it's mostly just a, a sense of uneasiness. I think when you go through games like that and you're not sure where you're walking to or what's you know going to be around the corner, I don't think it's necessarily fear or being scared. It's just a sense of uneasiness. Um, so I don't know, like I, there's not many games I can actually rattle off that I think legitimately scare me. I think if anything, like Dead Space is the last one I can think of where I was le- like legitimately scared, only because you play a video game and you know you get that immersion of I'm scared, this is kind of creepy, but then all you have to do is hit the pause button and you're instantly out of that. You know what I mean? Like you can just separate yourself from that experience once you pause the game. <laughs> Dead Space was different because you could not pause the game. You would actually like the first time I played Dead Space, you hit pause, and it didn't pause the game; it just brought up your menu. But it's actually like a little, you know artificial you know kind of like computer screen that comes up out of your out of your suit so you're still in the battle yeah that it's was a the first time face. that was the first time i was legitimately scared because i thought i could separate myself from the experience and take a breather nope not at all like you're right there in the thick of it and that's yeah that game does it really well but i don't know alan wake is the idea of it was scary but i don't think the actual game itself was at all no, honestly, the moment I started playing it and within the first 10 minutes when I realized, holy shit, this is Luigi's Mansion for adults, <laughs> then like I that that like I that 
that quote forever like haunted my entire experience and i'm just you can like, have fun with it after that basically. yeah i'm just like i yeah. even his run his goofy fucking run even like his cathartic middle age like i probably have diabetes or some sort of dehilitating fucking disease as to why over himself and tripping over that. himself and not being able to fucking run oh geez like we get it you're a writer you're not physically fit but jesus christ <laughs> i just hated the running in that game but like just that whole shuffle i i wouldn't be surprised if he just threw out his palm and screamed mario just <laughs> because all he does it's it's the same concept you just like all oh, these shadowy figures hit him with a flashlight and instead of vacuuming them up no you murder them in cold blood with a gun there you go, Luigi's Mansion for adults. <laughs> what, have you guys ever played the Siren games? No, I've always wanted to. There, I, wait, there's more than one? I thought there was only one for PS2. There's like episodes, I, isn't there? Or something like that? Yeah, they they basically remade um, the original Sirens as it downloads. In Japan, it's it comes on a Blu-ray, but in, in the States, it came out as uh, episodic downloads. Mm-hmm. I can't get more than five minutes into that game. And it's by the same uh, creator of Silent Hill, Kichiro Toyama. And um, I I was having dinner with him one, t- uh, one night, uh, maybe six months ago. And before I went out to dinner with him, I, uh, I bought Siren so I could play it, so I could be a little bit more educated about um, his past works beyond Silent Hill. I could not, I could not get past, I couldn't get further in than five minutes. So, um, you guys ought to try that. Maybe there's a, a downloadable demo on PSN or something, but mm. give it a shot. Is it just scary. because it was too scary? Oh. Well, it kind of does that whole Silent Hill thing where it's dark and you can't see a lot of stuff, and then people just come running at you, and they come uh, running at you, and they're screaming at the top of their lungs, and it just freaks you out. That Yeah, I couldn't do that. <laughs> that would, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of like um, Deadly Premonition. But like a bad acid, like, like it, it's it's like the. Have you guys played Deadly Premonition on Xbox? We actually we we didn't. We actually lied to Shane and told him we did so we can be cooler to him. But we didn't. Yeah, it's okay. I won't tell him. No, <laughs> he, he didn't deserve it anyway. But um, no. But th- that game was creepy. It does is does the whole detective at night flashlight thing. But um, Siren is like it's not campy. It's not funny. It's just. It's it's just freaky as hell. So I would I would try and download a. There, there's got to be a demo on PSN, so I would yeah. give that a shot and see how long you survive. <laughs> That'll be a game in itself. See how long you can actually last playing it. <laughs> no, seriously, it's that it's that challenging. I think just to um, I told I told the director that the game just seriously stressed me out. I couldn't I couldn't even. God. Yeah, I don't even. If the first five minutes are like that, I mean, you, you after you boot the game up you see the cutscene, and then you start the game and you just want to quit immediately that says something yeah they're doing their job right wow um you know it's a funny story actually i'll share it real quick because there's something that goes into this argument so this games club when we when we kind of came to the notion that you know for halloween we do a games club uh we were actually thinking about doing d and instead mm-hmm. of uh, having you on, we're going to have on uh, internet personality and just a guy that I made friends with, uh, Derek Alexander from, he's better known as the happy video game nerd, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be like the polar opposite of James Rolfe's fucking personality um, as the angry video game nerd. And he's gone on like on several different occasions romanticizing D. And we, I almost, we almost went in that direction, but 
generally when we want to do games clubs, we want to do games clubs towards games that are fairly easier to find. Like I've noted Fatal Frame's slightly costly, but it's it's worth it. And we'll get into that more later. But I have never had too hard of a time finding it around in, um, you know, fucking the, the usual place. And even then, like mom and pop shops are getting it online, slightly pricey, but you can you can come across a copy fairly easily where the same can definitely not be set for D. Um, yeah. So another thing that really just stopped me from doing it, and this is where me and him, I think, would have clashed a little too much, is D, even though like I, I agree with them to a, to a certain extent that there, there's a brilliance behind it. There's there's still this sort of mind frame that you have to approach it with. And it's it's probably a game that has not aged well at all and it hasn't it's it's definitely it's a game that's it's a product of its time and i feel like in regards to the suspense or whatnot it's kind of like you know accumulating the same argument with the original clock tower the original clock tower does have some moments in it especially like if you adjust your expectations accordingly but there's really not all that much that you haven't already been desensitized to previous media, especially being in fucking 2011 that, that hasn't kind of already dampered the experience. But I think fatal frame for me was really different. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of get into those details uh, as we really get into the meat and potatoes. But um, let's see. Uh, Joe also mentioned as well. uh, He wanted to mention fear one as an honorable mention. And the reason why is it made him jump a few times. And it was pretty surprising being the fact that it was a first person shooter he just expected it to be creepy, and it actually gave him legitimate scares. And I'm that fear is kind of your department, Andrew. I haven't touched fear. I, I barely played it. I played a little bit on PC when it first came out. I think the scares matter just because like Alma will pop up right in front of you. Since it is a first-person perspective, you kind of don't see that stuff coming until it's actually right there in front of you. Um, but I don't know. Two actually kind of did some creepy shit. Like there was one particular scene I remember um, where you're like in a hallway. And, and all the lockers start closing, desks start getting kind of pushed out of the way. And it's all kind of dynamic. It's not one of those things where, like, you walk and, like, it'll trigger something moving. It just kind of just happens. And, and I thought that was kind of creepy because you just didn't really know what to expect. It, it was more of that suspenseful scare because you kind of know something's probably going to happen. You just don't know when it's going to pop up. Um, so, I mean, I, I've, I've been not too big on the Fear series. Um I think any but, of those games that have like the dead kid thing going on are, are extra creepy. Yeah. Uh, there's and there's a whole bunch of those things. That's one of the reasons why I think Fatal Frame is scary because um, there's a point in the first game um, uh, where you enter a room and then these kind of like dead ghost babies with the upside down heads and stuff start mm-hmm. crawling out from under tables and I'm, uh, that's when I start mentally checking out because I can't handle that stuff. And uh, Dead Space does that as well in Dead Space yeah. Two. You've got the exploding um, dead baby thing going on, that that whole middle section, which was hard for me to get through. And then, of course, the the Alma stuff in in the Fear series, especially Fear 2. Yeah, it, it gets super creepy. I mean, I don't know. It's That that is probably one of the things I would say it's scariest when it's like little kids. Um, you know, and, and it seems like Fail Frame had a lot, maybe not directly from Ring, but you can see similarities, you know, especially like, um, you know, dark-haired girls, little girls, stuff like that. That usually yeah. gets me kind of creeped out. <laughs> what? Well, how did you feel about the Dead Island trailer where they had like the um, the zombie, the, the girl, girl coming out of the window? That yeah. like it, it's kind of unfortunate because the trailer was so good. I don't think it could ever live up to that kind of hype that it had with that trailer. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I don't have a child myself, 
but I can only imagine if you were a parent and you kind of see that child being thrown out and you see the kind of reason why she was thrown through the window and what happened. I got, I can't imagine that's gotta be the scariest thing you'll ever have to go through. If that, you know, if, if the zombie apocalypse happens. Yeah. Because I mean, as a parent, cause I remember I, I would watch YouTube videos of people that would see how long they could last. And if they were a parent, like if they were a father, they would probably get to just the point where she got thrown through and they're like, okay, I can't do it anymore. You know, because then, then it's almost like it's real to you then because that could be your daughter. That could be, you know, a, a child. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was a sad thing. The trailer was great, but the game can never live up to that kind of hype. It, yeah, I think, it, but it, I they think, did a good job, <laughs> that's for sure. I think anybody with a child would be able to see why that, that trailer is pretty, um, you know, you, you would you might be extra affected by it. But I have a daughter, I, I have a daughter and seeing mm-hmm. that girl, that zombie girl go through the window didn't bother me one bit. Really? I mean, outside of the context of like, oh, that's a very effective trailer. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't turn off that trailer and then look at my own daughter and go, "Honey, don't ever turn into a zombie." You know, I, it, <laughs> I was able to leave it. Yeah. You no, say fucking good. if I say when the zombie apocalypse is going <laughs> to happen. Good point. Yeah. Fucking that's Jesus that's Christ. Um, but me, you know, like you're already a part of it. Jesus. Yeah. Fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not even kidding you. I don't know what it is. Just. I don't know if it was the Patron that did me over or if it was the fucking sloppy shots that I got afterwards. Because, okay, in this bar that we're at or that we go to, there's such a thing called gutter shots. And basically what gutter shots are is there's a specific spot where the uh, bartender would mix drinks. And being is that there's this oh large God, – fuck you. There's I this know like, where this is going. <laughs> there's this uh, – you know, depending on the traffic of, you know, people coming in to go get fucking slobber knockered, uh, what it is is that they have this specific designated area where they'll mix their shots. And there's a tray that catches all the excess. You pay 50 cents, you drink that excess. It's the gutter shot. Not so, well, we only had four bucks between us after we spent the fucking, we got the Patron and the beer. So the gutter shots. And, like, it was a wild night, so you can imagine all the red-headed sluts and the fucking AMFs and every every other god-awful fucking drink that, like, anybody in the Central Valley of California could even put down their goddamn gullet uh, went into ours. So, I'm sorry, uh, I, I live in Ohio. We don't have to deal with this kind of stuff at all. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but, uh, we, yeah. We, we have, like, Everclear and, like, uh, um, what's the other shit? moonshine stuff like that yeah that's that's about all we have to deal with thank god oh good yeah and the, and the possible infection from bathtub scum that's there awesome that too. always uh, oh dude so, okay so wait wait but you do you don't have corn whiskey i think it's all the same thing <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, god. i, no, I think dude, they just call it different things but uh no dude like i'm <sighs> we're we're tangenting anyway um creepiest moment for me yeah scary games <laughs> uh creepiest moment for me honestly was uh in a video game, you know, it's it's not meant to be a scary video game. I've talked about this before, but it was the first time that I legitimately felt, like, really scared because, like I said, I, I've, I've mentioned my stance on, like, the way I sort of kind of ruined the experience for me to, like, kind of prove superior, uh, su- superiority over the fact that I don't want to feel victim. I wouldn't say victim, but I don't want to play along to the experience and give the experience itself the satisfaction and where I, I appear to be. Uh, less of an individual and it, and it's for my own sake not not to fucking validate myself amongst like my other peers or whoever you don't fuck. want your game console to look at you as less of a man not at <laughs> all 
Are you kidding me? I, I shelved. I dude, I fucking bought you. I shelved you, and I can toss you. And you'd be surprised, dude. There's fucking people coming in and around my house all the time. I generally don't get the poop sock and sol- solitude. You you can listen to the show, James. I would, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> like really, but anyway, um, no, it was the. Uh, Anyway, getting back to that, with that explanation set aside, something that I've always made openly clear, and what's funny is in its remake, I didn't get that same experience because, I don't know, it was, it was one of those experience deals, but it was the uh, zombie scenario in Conker's Bad Fur Day. And it, the reason why was just, it, it, was all, it was all from the audio. It wasn't, of course, it wasn't from like the fucking squirrel zombies, of course. But yeah, from, this, from, this from kind of the, the, the last thing I saw happening. <laughs> this is the last <laughs> thing I thought you were going to say. <laughs> really? From the, from the shit like uh, voice compression? That's what creeped you out? Well, no. It would, <laughs> God damn it. No, it was just the music, just hearing kids laughter like in a, in a cemetery setting. And then just that music uh, complemented with it and then the the sound effects that they got the zombies to make because it was that warped like but it was warped like studio warped like do you get what i mean by that like that, like that otherworldly demonic kind of warped or like there's a there's a reverb like to it you guys know what i'm talking about right not like yeah, not like that it, standard it has been 10 years since i played that but between the shitty cartridge based audio compression and you know just the the console in general, I can imagine, I can remember how, how poor it was. Huh. But I can't imagine you would actually be scared by that unless you were... I was young! God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, oh, it's so funny. We, just, we finished romanticizing about the 64 and now fuck it. But anyway, yeah. um, well, no, that was honestly one of my first real experiences other than like that, the dog scene in Resident Evil. That there's no other moments. Well, let me take that back. We were talking about earlier too in the original Silent Hill. I just remembered like the entire concept of the fact that Doom was fucking lurking around the corner or wherever it may be, just from the static of the uh, radio. And then out of nowhere, what looks like a fucking pterodactyl comes in and tears my shit up through the diner window. Mm-hmm. Like bam, like that. I'll never forget that moment. But other than that, there's just there are a few moments like. And that's that's kind of the thing I wanted to go in the direction with uh, Fail Frame, which uh, I believe that... Oh, well, wait. We didn't really read Sunken Treasures. Um, Sunken Treasures, good friends of ours, awesome proprietors of one of the best mom-and-pop video game stores ever in Seattle. You guys should go check them out. Their lovely fucking uh, setup and whatnot. They wrote, I don't know if it's too late for our input, which it's not. So if you're listening, you should feel really happy and stuff. Uh, but System Shock 2 is the scariest game we've played. The most atmospheric game of its time with some best sound design and voice acting around, the big scene with Shodan still sends chills down our spines. So, yeah. hmm. I, I, I never played that. that. I, I've only ever played uh, Bioshock. I never played Levine's other stuff. I kind of wish I would have, though. I really would like to. We were we were tossing around that being a possible games club somewhere in huh. the future because it's easy to get on Steam. Yeah, uh, James, yeah. have you played System Shock? Yeah, that was, uh, what was that, like 1997, 98, something like that. Um, I mean, obviously now you, you may not feel the same sort of uh, horror kind of effect as mm-hmm. uh, you would with a modern horror game. But um, for the time, and if you were playing on PC, presumably you'd also be playing with headphones on. And mm-hmm. uh, if you were playing at night and the settings were right, that was a really creepy game. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, that's definitely a good shout out. Nice. 
I don't know. My my if I had to pick my scariest moment or the scariest game, the actual game itself wasn't scary, but the moment. Um, and I don't want to spoil it for someone that hasn't played it yet. But um, if anyone's played Condemned 2, um, all I have to say is the bear. <laughs> like, it, that moment in particular. And you can imagine, you know, that's like the one of the most stressful, like terrifying, just terrifying moments I can remember in recent memory. Just because of, of what you encounter and what you have to kind of go through. But Does the absurdity kind of throw you? I, like, I don't know. I got scared. A little bit. Like, absurdity, like, like, am I fucking uh, boxing well, a bear? Yeah, it was kind of like I had, at first I had that, like, holy, like, like what the fuck is that kind of moment? And then... When it's charging after, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, then it's just like, I don't know. That well, whole thing was just crazy. It, it was, yeah, the, the actual concept of it's kind of ridiculous, but I thought it was just totally stressful as hell. That's all good. I mean, whatever, either way, whatever has been said, I we just know at the end of this day I am I was wrong. So, fucking being my audio compression. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! I thought you were joking at first. When I concert, really I was wasn't. Like, oh, Maybe just go back and play it. No, Le- everybody, <laughs> listen. If you're when you're listening to this on your fucking iPod, Zunes, or whatever channel you enjoy listening to us on, go back and play that fucking game and defend me. Just because I deserve it. And there you go. Oh, goodness. You could follow James Milky at James Milky. <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. Anyway, um, half. Uh, let's go ahead and. Uh, Jump into the games club, shall we? Yay. to survive three nerds one podcast they fought against the odds they fought against the barrels but on this evening they took upon themselves to do what no one else would do games club these nerds this game explosions romance on the press pause radio games club coming to an ipod near you and quite possibly a zoom so fatal frame and you know what's funny is i gotta ask before we go ahead and continue it was so heavily marketed and even it's even obvious looking back and the fact that we're playing an older game almost a decade old uh it was so fucking like the emphasis and focus on the fact that this is based on a true story what did they might not actually be based on a true story. Well, no, I actually did the research on it, but I, I wanted to ask James if he kind of remembers, like, well, I know you more than likely were not in Japan. I don't know how, how if you frequented or if you had contacts or, or family members or anyone, you know, that you kept in contact with that may have uh, shared their experiences with that release in Japan or if you were aware of it at all. But was that, was that a, a focus at all for the marketing in Japan? Did you say, was that a focus of the marketing? Well, in Japan, um, the fact that it was based on a true story. 
I don't remember the advertisements too deeply, um, whether or not they were um, pimping the fact that this is based on a true story. I, you know, I know the director and the producer very well. And so I asked them about that uh, back when they first showed us the game because I, I clearly remember the, the media event that they had uh, surrounding Fatal Frame. And um, uh, it was based the, – the, let, me, let me preface this. The director is really into the occult. So he would actually look for these real stories about ghosts and anything to do with you know, possession, stuff like that. He, he really finds it fascinating. So for them to say um, it's based on a true story is not too much of a stretch because Japan has a lot of um, superstitions and a lot of uh, you know, mythology and stuff like that. So you know, and, um, they could pretty much pull their source material from anything and it, w it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to say it's based on a true story. Um, how specific they got in terms of like, you know, how do, how do you quantify that? You know, it's like, oh, two girls lost in a village and there were ghosts popping up everywhere. You know, they, they took a, an element of fact and they, and they spun it in order to make, you know, an entertaining game. You know, at the end of the day, reality is not usually as entertaining as, what you can do in a video game, so they they just use it for a spark of inspiration, and then well, yeah, and, and they ran with it. You chose the right word because that's what I was going to say. I think the the better choice of words would have been inspired by a true story, only because you're right that you can't really basically with that that subtitle being based on a true story. It, it, it we understand that there's going to be some liberties taken with the presentation of the game, but essentially that kind of instills this mental thought depending on like how i guess how willing you are to believe you know the actual events and everything going on that it, it's very faithful to whatever source material they're, they're referencing or footnoting and i you know I, I dug it up and pretty much there there has actually uh been uh the the mansion that the game takes place in just to build up you know like i said we're gonna probably jump back here and forth but this is going forward to the the true story aspect is uh, also known as Himura Mansion, or sometimes Himikuryu uh, Mansion. That's spelled H-I-M-I-K-Y-R-U. So, uh, whether I'm just some North American asshole or I'm sick, you're gonna have to forgive me for pro possibly mispronouncing that. Uh, is generally the location that's cited, and I'm looking at some of these pictures. Just two pictures alone are e exact replicas of what I saw. In Fatal Frame, and they're and they're real shots. Like they don't look photoshopped or anything at all. So it looked it looked quite insane. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and drop the link. I should have probably done this before we started recording, but I like I like that we're I like that we're being wild. active. Yeah. Well, we're, we're getting, and actually, from, from what I saw about that too, though, was it seems like that was only something they used for advertisements in America. It didn't seem like they really focused too much on the based on true story, at least in Japan. Yeah, that's um, what I was trying to you know yeah. work with. Uh, James, I don't know if he was aware of like how exactly they went about marketing uh, that whole thing in Japan because you know Fatal Frame kind of came around the craze, well, kind of near the craze of uh, survival horror games between like or well, Capcom's Resident Evil and Dino Crisis to uh, Silent Hill, and then there there's some may have been some others I'm not mentioning, but those are just the big heavy hitters. Uh, and yeah, I was just I was really surprised like doing this research and the big premise of Fatal Frame is the fact that I, I you know, I, I'm understanding the story. I understood a lot of the story as far as I went, but the intro, it, it was just, it was very, I don't know. It was still slightly, 
it wasn't accessible. Like it, it still kind of felt, it felt like it was really going over my head. I couldn't really get a, a good grasp on it just because, you know, and I understand there was, there was more of a cinematic presentation that was kind of, it kind of gives you that implications that you're supposed to pick up a lot faster than I actually did. So maybe yeah. I'm, I'm the one that, I'm, I'm the broken aspect of that, this whole complaint, but I really no, felt I, like, I mean, there's an accessibility issue because it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's Japanese, it's a Japanese tale. And, you know, there's always going to be that kind of disconnect because the culture is very different. The appearance of, of the buildings of the time looks nothing like anything in the United States or in North America. And, um, you know, so, you know, it's, that, that's, that's one of the reasons why game, Japanese games have a, can occasionally have a very tough time being localized for the states, especially when it focuses on Japanese culture and it's set in a Japanese setting. So it's, it's nothing strange um, what you're what you're talking about what you're describing well and and also i think they kind of just throw you in like you don't really know what's going on or why you're there and it briefly touches on on the the guy you know he's there in the beginning and then um something happens to him and then you come back like uh, i think a couple weeks later as his sister um trying to find out what happened but you're not really given much of a backstory when you first start off you kind of just go in and it's kind of it's kind of it's told to you through like finding articles and finding clippings things like that. You actually get the story of what's going on through that. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that. I like how it just kind of throws you in and you're not really sure why you're there essentially, but then you kind of start to pick up on why and, and, and you know, the what. Um, so I, know, I thought that was kind of nice. It adds to the suspense, I think. Yeah. And um, going back with there, uh, the big, <clears throat> basically the big thing is the mansion was, you know, home to the family, the Hamuros. Um, and in, in the Hamuro mansion, uh, they practiced basically the what's known as a strangling ritual, and this was in order to basically seal off bad karma uh, within the earth. But what they had to do is uh, they basically had to sacrifice maidens, or I don't know. I really got the idea that it was maidens, but as I went through the game, a lot of the male characters uh, were also, you know, kind of suffering the same side effects and the victimization of the strangling ritual. But the, the strangling ritual itself is one of the most fucking brutal things, even description. Like, and what's funny is like, it has a really mature way of just like going about it. It's it's not like the ritual itself has so much complexity in the presentation of it and the way they portray it. Like it, it's shocking, but it's not done for like a shock factor. It's something that I immediately came to respect as a component of the game because of just the graphic nature of it. Like pretty much you, you fucking tie ropes to like each of these people's limbs, like basically both arms, both legs and their neck. And you essentially pull them like to the point where not only are you choking them, but in strangling them, but you're possibly fucking pulling off limbs off of their torso. You're and, you're, you're braveharting them. Yeah, <laughs> that's, one, <laughs> that's another term. Oh, still, even 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 so, like a concept like that is still pretty tame compared to like movies like Saw and the stuff oh, that yeah. they do and and those like, kinds of films. But it's all dependent on the portrayal, though. I mean, Saw Saw is I won't you know I won't debate with you there. Saw is just essentially torture porn, yeah. but saw in in opposed to the torture porn like i in no way shape or form did i feel that other than the like analyzing the actual graphic nature of like oh man like 
that guy just got a fucking blade thrown in through his tendons and it went up his asshole and came out of his armpit. Oh, that's that's got to be a horrible way to go to just like the fact that you come across these newspaper clippings that's slowly building up the subtleties and suspense of the nature of like there were there were these torsos found without heads, arms or fucking legs. Oh, man. That, yeah, and then it, well, no. The best part about that was if you read one of the first articles on that, it's like maybe the first hour into the game, which I didn't get more further than that. <laughs> um, it was fine because it said like um, the police have ruled this a murder and an accident. I was like, really? I, this, this guy accidentally lost his head, his arms, and his legs. <laughs> like, I swear, yeah, yeah. I swear to God, one of the articles said that. I was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I remember that too because I think we both had a, like what moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially the strangling rituals performed and, uh, you know, the, this family and this family went on to do this for generations and generations. So as far as what's implied or what I understood, but just the whole presentation and the lore of it, I mean, it's, it's very much done in the resident evil like way, but there's something that's done that I was really, really surprised about. And it's actually one of my favorite things about, uh, recent narrative within games that we talked about within a narrative, uh, episode was uh it was done through cassette tapes and when you found this tape recorder and granted like the voice acting was you know wasn't the best it had it had a very shenmue tinge to it i just kind of had to separate myself the fact like okay i gotta realize this is 2001 2002 around that same time and uh once i separated it and you know i just clinged on to the dialogue and just you know complimented that along with any of the files and everything, it really separated itself from the way Resident Evil did it. And even then Resident Evil kind of did it. If it felt like it was just moving the plot along where as opposed to fatal frame, I felt like it was really selling you this world, this idea, basically immersing you into the role. Uh, and you know, what's funny is I still never really caught her name. I know her brother's name is mafia or Muyofa. I can't, again, I, I am so horrible with foreign names, so you're going to have to forgive me, but fucking somewhere of that nature, Mufasa. Yeah. Um, Might as well. Yeah. Why yeah, not? Why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I really like the fact that it, the game starts off just throwing you into his role and, and it, it also acts as the game's tutorial. That's another fucking thing. That's brilliant. I love, I love hidden tutorials, like tutorials mm. that don't feel like tutorials, but at the same time you're learning like integral fucking parts of the game that you you do need to uh, complement towards fucking moving forward. So um, now James, I you know like I said I don't know you've beaten the first one right because we'll we'll just throw this out here right now we're we're ready to discuss the game in its entirety, but due to like just the stress and overall like the activity going on within the last week uh i didn't get to finish it andrew got oh i got nowhere close and honestly that's only because i'm not and i'll be completely honest i don't play scary games i don't watch scary movies this is totally it's probably the furthest from my comfort zone you can possibly get like i am not into these at all i honestly just kind of wanted to get a shot and that's why i like games club because i think for me it's an opportunity to play games i normally would not play um mm -hmm. it kind of it breaks me out of my you know my my comfort level and and this game like I'm not the kind of person to watch scary movies. I don't like feeling uneasy. I, I don't like being scared. Um, so, yeah, this was totally out of my element. And I played a few hours of it, but I think it just got to the point where I just really didn't want to go through it. You know, it wasn't enjoyable for me to play something like this. But that being said, I think there are some really good points to it. I think there's some good things that they do that other games don't really accomplish. And I, I appreciate it for that. 
but you know that's that's the only reason why I didn't play more of it. Um, but I had no idea. I didn't yeah, want to oh, make. Dude. No, I I really don't. And then we talked about survival horror uh, a while back. I, you know, you talk about games like Resident Evil or um, Silent Hill. I don't really play those games. That's that's kind of out of my element, to be honest. Huh. But but it's a challenge nonetheless to kind of get through it and then see. And I you know I'll still play the game through. I just one of those things. I didn't give it a fair shape because I didn't. You know, I don't like scary games, so I'm not going to really enjoy this. But you know, a few hours in, I'm actually starting to really kind of get into it myself. You, would, you what was the point in where you felt like you were intimidated or scared to where you you didn't want to continue? It, it was that element of when the the ghosts start appearing kind of out of nowhere, and you're kind of forced to, you know, quickly get your camera and, and snap the shots enough to, like, you know, get rid of them. Like, before, it was like, they would just, you know, there's a ghost, he's really far away, but as long as you shoot with your camera, you'll be fine. And when they start kind of chasing after you, and even if you run through a door, they're still chasing after you, stuff like that, that's when it got to be like, okay, uh, I feel a little uneasy doing this. So, so know, that's kind of where I started to falter off. I, I you know, Maybe this may be a far cry, so I, I mm-hmm. please, I welcome any debate, but I think one of the most impressive things so far, because my biggest fear, and, and we, you know, we'll get into the like we've gotten into this before with other games, but uh, my biggest fear was just the playability of it. Like no matter what, if it's broken, it's broken. I can't enjoy it. This has by far been one of the most best tanky control systems I've ever played. Like, but the th- I think still tanky doesn't really give it much. You know, I mean that's the thing. You gotta imagine this is from almost ten years ago. So we're kind of spoiled with controls now, but you know it, it has tank controls. But man, some of them get really rough. Like there's half the time I, I just didn't even know if I was if there's a door there or if that was just a wall. You know what I mean? Like it was so hard to navigate sometimes. Well, no, I and I, there was just points where the perspective and that's the thing too because the the fact that everything was angled mm-hmm. and the perspective in in regards to the movement of the game, you didn't really know exactly how to like i don't know i really enjoyed the entire presentation of it so the tanky controls didn't feel as tanky and where i i normally fucking hate fixed angled games so like i always have a hard time with the original devil may cry as well as dino crisis fucking anamusha you name it i i really have a hard time with those games it was the first time that i've ever seen like me going through and, and, and really taking hold of this game that I didn't struggle or I didn't feel like I was struggling. And what's funny is um, the, the perspective, there's a dynamic to the perspective that I think really added. Like, James, you made a, a point earlier about artificial fear through uh, basically the perspective itself that was supposed to create fear that wasn't actually there because of some disadvantages you got in the setting. You know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Within Fatal Frame, I feel like, well, maybe you can agree or disagree, but I'd like to ask since you brought it up earlier. In Fatal Frame, there's a dynamic to where, for example, I think the scariest fucking moment still is very early on within the mansion. So that means you've experienced this too, Andrew. Uh, that hallway that you walk towards with a mirror at the end, the the camera angle is slowly coming in and slowly like orchi- or it's uh, inching outward mm-hmm. to where the camera's following you. But the camera is also twisting its angle, kind of like a Cloverfield effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then with that coupled along with the fact that 
there was some fucking ghost in the mirror that I saw behind yeah. me, and it did mm. that. Like that. That's the one thing I don't care. Like I've become desensitized to a lot of things, but the fucking twitch motion from shit that you see, like in the ring, I, I was <laughs> fucking seventy years old, and that shit will still creep me the fuck out. And then like I turn around and she's not there. So and yeah. I, and you know what's the best part is the camera is inched out just away, just enough to where you would assume you would see her behind you, but she's not. You just see yeah. her behind you in the reflection. The and use of mirrors. Turn around. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The use of mirrors in the presentation is fucking brilliant in this game. Yeah, yeah that camp, that mirror is some shit. Yeah, yeah. They, they've used it a couple times within the within the game, like if you know, further into the mansion. But that's what I think that was the moment of clarity when I knew like, man, this isn't gonna be like some kind of game that I'm I might write off. Cause I was I was ready to like I wasn't ready to accept all the hype that had been given about this game. Mm-hmm. You know, let me let me tell you a little story about how they how they first um, showed uh, or revealed Fatal Frame to us because um, uh, you know EGM was based in San Francisco and Tecmo was down in LA. But uh, what they did was they set up a um, there. I guess there maybe about a half hour south of um, San Francisco. There's a uh, I can't remember the name of the. Um, the, there's like a, uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but they basically um, brought us to this um, kind of uh, kind of summer camp, not not like summer camp for kids, but more like a, a campground for, you know, where where, where families take their kids and, um, uh, you know, and and it, it wasn't a trailer park. It had cabins and stuff, but it was basically just like some kind of summer vacation you know camping kind of area and they they brought us to this place and they had this whole scavenger hunt um which we all thought was just kind of like fun and stuff and you know you're reading clues and trying to find stuff uh hidden throughout this um kind of you know what it felt like it felt kind of like easter sunday no the place where you, you where they set um Friday the 13th, like one of those kinds oh, of places. Oh, like shit. Crystal Lake? Like Crystal Lake. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, the, the pool was kind of like out of commission, and it was it, all this stuff took place at night. They had some lights on. There was some fog on the on the water. It was, it, was, it was kind of creepy, but we all were just having a good time, right? And it actually got really, really funny because they, they brought in these, like, grizzled old storytellers to come in and tell us the story, and they were telling us these bullshit stories about, you know, um, we were sitting in the middle of, like, I guess this, this this one big kind of like family center or whatever. It was pretty much a large empty room, but we were sitting around a table with some chairs and a candlelight, and they were trying to tell us that, like, you know, they were trying to scare us with stuff like, um, you know, twenty years ago there was a there was a, a murder here or whatever, and now every every year since that murder. You know, there's usually a power outage or something at the same time as as when the murder happened. And there was one time where, when I first started working here, I thought, you know, I, I didn't believe in the in the in the rumors about ghosts and how this place was haunted. But there was one time where I lit a match in here on a candle, and it went out. You know, he he would tell us like uh, really lame stories like that. We're like, well, did you just happen to open the window? Maybe there was a draft. <laughs> did you, know? you breathe next to it? So the whole setup was really hilarious, and it was not scary at all. And uh, I'm sure it was, you know, part of Tecmo's plan. But 
then what we did after all was said and done, after dinner was done, after all the shenanigans were finished, they basically sent all of us back to our individual cabins. In the cabin was a TV, a PlayStation debug unit, and the game. So basically, we um, the, our task was, and this is like we got to our rooms at 11 o'clock at night. Our task was to get as far as we could by morning. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not sleeping oh, tonight. Lord. Some people just decided to sleep. They, they didn't give a shit. Yeah. They were like, okay, well, I played the game, whatever. It's, it's fine. Um, I'm not going to bother. Um, even though Tecmo had prizes for people who, who got the farthest. I got the second farthest. Um, and the only reason I probably did not win completely was because I could not read the menus at the time, mm-hmm. uh, which would have helped helped me out quite a bit because w- I would have powered up my camera. I was basically going through the game with a default camera, whereas oh, with other no power ups or yeah, using yeah, stones or anything like that. Ugh. Other guys had basically boosted the efficiency of their camera, gotten the right film, um, did all that stuff. But basically, I here's how the how the experience went. I started. Um, playing the game, you know, with a head full of bravado, I was like, I'm not scared. I'm just going to go into this game. I'm going to be like, I'm, I know it's a game. I'm aware it's a game, so it's not going to scare me. So the first hour, I, I pretty much felt that way. Second hour, you know, stuff like what George is talking about with the mirror, I, w- I would look at that and I'd be like, huh, well, that was pretty well done. The third hour uh, that I had gotten into the game, I was like, ooh, that was that was a little unnerving. And by the fourth hour, I was basically like, I don't want to go any further in this game. Oh, my God, there's a dead baby. Get me the hell out of this game. So it was really, really effective, if, especially because we were playing at night. And our uh-huh. instructions were that we had to play with the sound up. So we had to play it with the with all the creepy sound effects loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was – it is actually, if you were to play it, um, uh, you know, in in the proper settings – uh, it's it's actually a very creepy game. So oh, yeah, um, for, for for Andrew, you were talking about how you don't like scary um, mm-hmm. scary stuff. I don't like scary movies. I'm not a horror movie guy. But yeah. uh, this is probably a game that would test your uh, test your uh, resolve. Oh, I can't imagine, especially in that setting too. I can't imagine how kind of creepy that would be to play that. And honestly, there, there, there's moments where. It's like you're saying, just like that that you know that quick glance and you see something that's not there. I can't just in the few hours I played of it, you know, there would be times where I would look, you know, after I've done like a cutscene or something, and then there's something real quick like right above me, or you know, there's like the guy up in the in the rafters, you know, that kind of goes away. I love how uh-huh. random ghosts will kind of show up like that, and then you try to pull out your camera quick to take a shot, and then they're gone. It's just one of those like really quick random moments. I, that that's probably one of the more unsettling things for me. That's that's what kills me about the Fear series. You turn around and all of a sudden Alma's there, and you're like, ah, you're totally not expecting it because your mm-hmm. your head's in the zone for something completely different. They throw that at you, yeah, exactly. I think what it is though is like the presentation with this game is by far it's so ahead of its time, and I, I completely mean that. And I was so surprised with that. There, there's a moment. Uh, it's when you reach into the second chapter, and pretty much as the the story builds up. Uh, in order to basically stop the ritual, or as far as what I've understood, I may have misinterpreted incorrectly, but there's this holy mirror that plays a great significance into uh, basically freeing the maidens that are tortured and left within this mansion. Because so, like later on, you find out that these rituals weren't really done for some sort of greater good, but more or less through 
this sort of family, this sort of family uh, thing that they did, like tradition, almost as sick as it is to say it. And yeah, there is a moment to where I I think the scary, I think the most disturbing moment was what you're talking about. It happened in the doll room, mm-hmm. and what it was is when you're in this doll room. I mean, the puzzles, I guess, the, those, the puzzle aspect of the entire game is the one that felt the most arbitrary in, in, in comparison to everything else. The one that, like, was very by the numbers. And even then, it wasn't all that much by the numbers. And it could have been done way better. But um, I think what it was that uh, really unnerved me was when I was in the doll room, uh, I was basically looking for, uh, I was looking for my next uh, target for photo. Because I, I like the way, basically, the, the the game's slightly repetitive, but even it escapes the repetition just from like the sheer like effort or the emphasis put in the presentation. So, so I was currently tasked with one of the things that helps you progress through the game is there are these doors that are sealed by talismans, and basically, in order to get through the talisman, you have to take a picture of it, which will then show you another picture of mm-hmm. a target that you have to take a picture of in order to unseal that. Yeah. Uh, that door and that door will then help you progress further into the mansion. So it was scary, in the scary ass scavenger hunt, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like a fucking ridiculous scavenger hunt. And I think the worst thing that I found was, um, I, I mean, we try to make, we definitely made like our fucking hilarity out of it afterwards. But I was in the doll room and I found uh, this new scrap or a notebook, and it talked about how children. Uh, were also involved with the rituals, and they and they basically talked about how easy. Or like they and they didn't word it exactly like that, but the wording suggested like the basically effortless uh, result of kids' heads popping off. So there was a lot of decapitated children. No fucking joke. Like right afterwards, this fucking ghost comes in the corner, but it's a chill. It's a child's head. It's a dismembered mm-hmm. head. Of course, you don't see the entrails coming out of the neck, but it's a fucking child's head. And it's so funny because it's almost slightly humorous because it's like cannonballing towards you like fucking Blanca. So, <laughs> like, like uh. and then it just looks like it's biting my fucking nose. So we're like, damn, bitches love nose. Just, but it's just that at first, like, it was so unsettling. And I think another thing, the way, uh, and Jane's reference, it's, it's still one of the most unsettling ghosts that you find are little girls, but what it is, is the little girl is coming at you backwards, and her head looks like it's been twisted, and her neck Mm -hmm. broken, and it's dangling over her back, and she's essentially looking at you upside down, but coming at you from the back with her arms reached outward. Yeah, that's never cool. No, no, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing that, with Fatal Frame, it touches into, you know, there's different kinds of horror, you know, like Resident Evil Biohazard, that's kind of more like the action movie horror, whereas Fatal Frame is a little bit more like the psychological, you know, supernatural horror. And for me, that evokes things like The Exorcist and The Omen. And those are the things that unsettle me the most. I think that's why I don't like horror movies, because mm-hmm. when I was very young, that's when The um, the Omen and The Exorcist first came out. Yeah. And uh, those are just total mind fucks. So, you know, I, I never, after seeing those things, I never wanted to see another horror movie again in my life i was i was i was like i'm good i'm good guys yeah. you know i don't need to see that stuff i'm the exact same way because i i believe that kind of stuff could actually possibly happen whereas if it's like a jason or freddy that's just you know that's kind of ridiculous to think that's yeah. you know a possibility of being real but you know even stuff like this like 
you know, someone dealing with the occult or, or something like that, that kind of stuff creeps me out because you could actually walk into a situation like that. And that's just, it, it's unsettling to say the least. Yeah. In, yeah, that game, it, like I said, it was a turning point because like right afterwards I got a piece of the mirror, but then I was attacked or I passed out. And then you came to a cutscene to where you saw the, the strangling ritual take place. And basically, uh, she you could see the terror and you like you literally like there was a lot of smash cuts which of course like you know i recognized like right away like a lot of the cinema uh, the cinema terms and cinematic uh cues that they took to in order to just emphasize the everything going on but just that coupled with the fucking the entire concept of what the graphic nature of what it is itself just fucking smash cutting to this woman and then just them starting to pull her apart and it's your main character and then you find out that it was some sort of fever dream and you passed out. But then she fucking wakes up to the rope scars and she's mm-hmm. feeling the pain. I, it generally freaked me out. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't remember a game that's done that. I mean, it, my honestly, my complaints towards a game, it, and it's something that we've talked about before, but going back to your enslaved argument, um, Andrew, to where mm-hmm. you defend enslaved only because you feel like, you know what? The experience merits you merits the playthrough, regardless of the actual game aspect being flawed. Yeah, and I will tell you, this game plays way better than that fucking game. But there are still flaws that would otherwise irk me to the point where, like, I think the the biggest irk I have, honestly, is the contextual sensitivity, and it, and it's actually bugged. There are certain moments that if you approach an item to pick it up, that I, I've frozen the game twice just by coming at the game and pushing oh, really? X too early. And then essentially I just put her in this infinite walking motion that I cannot escape because you know, if you were to press X, say slightly ajar or adjacent to fucking whatever you're trying to pick up, uh, mm-hmm. she'll automatically walk towards and bend down and pick it up. And I don't know what it was. She just kept walking, but she wouldn't fucking bend down and pick it up. And wow. if you, if you're not completely directly in front of the door, especially the sliding doors within the mansion, you won't open them. So sometimes if you don't have the patience to like really just like, you know, hand fuck, whatever, goddamn, whatever door you may assume is a door to get through, then you could easily just like overlook it just out of sheer impatience and just wanting to fucking this anxiety to get through. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. And that's the thing. The game drives on making you anxious and wanting it drives. It compels you to like, get through it just because of the entire nature of it. So I felt like that's where contextual sensitivity really demanded to be at its highest. And I don't know, it really fucked with me. And I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, just poor, poor, um, game design and, and QA testing there. Somebody should have seen that. that. Yeah. Smoothed it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's my only complaint really towards a game. Other than that, like, I feel like the game merits itself above and beyond that. Yeah. I, I would say so for that time and for like you know as many games that controlled similar to that, I think it probably did a better job than most. But uh, all I can say is thank God for that run button because she walks <laughs> up and downstairs so fucking slow. No, it's the ladder Jesus climbing. Christ. The oh, ladder God. climbing drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, can I hold this button any harder to make her go faster? I was you like, there, there, there's ghosts everywhere. Just run, please. <laughs> you know what I think about that? That makes um, Fatal Frame so especially effective and this is going to further reinforce andrew not playing through the game but Mm -hmm. um 
it's because like you know in games like Resident Evil and stuff you're getting shot there's zombies okay zombies are gross it's a pretty gross concept in in general but in Fatal Frame it's so personal because it, everybody seems to be the re, the result of like you know strangling or hanging or drowning things like that things that are like exceptionally personal and so you know so that that level of um that level of uh murder basically is um is oh, really bone chilling, you know. Yeah, something that's not really instant. It's just like that's some that's like a torturous thing to have to go through. And I've noticed too, like yeah, I totally hate being strangled. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I really don't enjoy drowning all that much. So <laughs> no, there was just one time. I don't, I don't know. There, I have a friend of mine who swears up and down that he, he enjoys the act of strangling in love life, but I can never endorse it. So kids, I don't know. You be careful when you touch that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, I I do have to mention though, <clears throat> just back to the game, uh, the, the just like I said, the presentation. I think what it it is too is I don't I wouldn't say that the story is really cliche, but it's the pacing. Like I can't get over the fact that like even then like there there are certain mechanics too that I think what also the game could have benefited from more is a, a better explanation because they're really just done through light clips that you can find in the file menu. But it took me halfway through the game to realize that I can actually, if I hold the run button when you're in camera mode, that you mm. speed your movement aiming the camera. So I went through half of the game not knowing that I could do that. I also went through half of the game not knowing that you can do a 180 turn by pressing triangle um, mm. when Wait, doing that. Really? Yes, you can do a 180 turn to see what's behind you if you're in camera mode. Oh, so that shit. really helped out because there, there's, mm. especially those main big fucking awful uh, apparitions they like to appear from behind you and they like to just uh, go and just fuck you from the ceiling or just fuck you from behind and I, I just I hated that whole concept of in feeling helpless like I tried to attribute it to like okay I'm trying I'm supposed to feel helpless but like the architecture like I think the most frustrating part that I had within the game like to where I threw my controller is there's a point in where you need to find these masks because these masks basically attribute as being a key to uh, basically get beyond the ritual room so you can move further within the game and when you move these masks and basically put them within a pillar uh, you are basically awaken and oh dude and that's the worst thing that was also one of the most bone chilling moments I'm like, I want to ask how you felt about that, James, because this one actually, everything that you've mentioned, I wouldn't say it's tame, but never really affected me like this one. Um, yeah. Another aspect of the ritual, Andrew, is they get these fucking, they get this mask, and it's called the, the Mask of Reclamation, I believe. And what it is, is the mask, Jesus Christ, dude, the mask has uh, knives all around the eye orifice and mouth orifice. Ooh. So when they uh-huh. shove the fucking mask on the victor on the sacrifice, they're bleeding out through their eyes and mouth, which is why you'll find a lot of the victims or the ghosts always bellowing, "My eyes, my eyes." So it Ooh. it really it re- like I said, it really hit a tone. Like that mm. that that's the thing that I really enjoyed the pacing, the subtleties of just moving around. Like I really thought this game was a fucking like it was shock factor and all of that. It's ghosts. Like, like the whole time, like I, I kind of made a joke. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm a fucking Ghostbuster with a camera, and like I, I could have found myself even humming the tune every now and again, just like. But other than that, you know, I, I really underestimated this game, and I can't. Yeah, shit, I can't. Shit, shit gets dark. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a moment as well that, like, a pivotal moment for me. I think we can finish off just, like, talking about our favorite moments within the game. Fortunately, I'd like to revisit this game again, like, in com- like maybe in what it's, what's been in our console or just other times. Because, unfortunately, we didn't get to finish it. And, James, if you have anything to say about the ending or some sort of fucking pivotal plot twist, like, throw in that in now, now that we're just ending out this game club. <laughs> But uh, I, don't, I don't have anything to say about the, the plot specifically. I mean, I, if for people who are intrigued by this conversation, I think uh, um, it's definitely worth exploring, especially if you have a, a tolerance for uh, mm-hmm. scary, um, you know, kind of psychological, um, supernatural thrillers. Uh, the, the thing that I think also makes it really scary, and George mentioned, was that, you know, sometimes you find these notes lying around. And they kind of give you a little bit of insight or a little bit of backstory or a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit more uh, um, depth to what's going mm-hmm. on. Like when you read about, you know, the, the children, once, once you start talking about children, you know, these notes are really effective because once you start thinking about children being killed or drowned or hung or whatever, you can't unthink that. And especially when you're playing, when you actually see a, a, the ghost of a, of a small child or something coming your way that's double freaky so that's one of the things that really um makes the game so effective yeah uh, for me the the one chilling thing like i mentioned on the show that i'll never forget is basically the notes essentially detailing like the ease of a child decapitating being decapitated mm-hmm. and then you, you know what i mean like that that alone it didn't feel like this is just something done for shock factor like it felt substantially creepy it, yeah. it it basically it jumped the 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 boundary of uh, interactive media to fuck that that's, that's yeah as Andrew nuts. said this is something that you could actually iman- imagine happening so mm-hmm. you know that's what that's what makes it so creepy because in Japan there there is not a lot of murder that happens you know it's not that it doesn't happen it's just that it's you know Japan is much smaller than the United States so you don't see it uh, happening uh, nearly as much. But when it does happen in the, in Japan, it's always gruesome. Like in Osaka re- recently, there has been some news stories about how like a woman who's been who's been missing for two or three years, her body was found cut up in pieces in the trunk of a car. It's like, you know, it, they they always got to take it to that level, right? You know, the, the when somebody does kill somebody here, it's it's on that degree. So you know, yeah. that could be the premise for a game twenty years yeah. from now. Who knows? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I think with that game, um, you know, I'm probably not really. I don't want to play it nearly as much as, you know, I would have before. I think now actually playing it, my uh, my wife loves horror movies. Like she's the complete opposite of me. She loves horror movies, loves scary stuff, and, and I think she's probably gonna want to watch me play through it because you know it is kind of cinematic in a way. I think when you're, you know, dealing with the cutscenes and some of the scares throughout. Um, so I mean, yeah, I'll definitely play through more. It's just, it's one of those things like I can't do it easily, you know. Like I, it really is a challenge for me to get through it. But I, you know, I'm glad that I actually got a chance to start it because without you know doing this games club, I probably would have never even touched it. I would have probably stayed as far away as possible from the game. <laughs> and Jeez. and I think now now I actually am kind of it's intrigued because right? yeah, well, I like how they use you know film as ammunition the camera as the gun and that is your weapon i think that's such a cool concept and, and i think that's kind of why it is so unique because it is scary but you know you actually have uh, a weapon of a different kind and i like how 
you know, in, in I don't know if it's just in Japan or just people's beliefs that, you know, using a camera can actually capture souls. And that's kind of like what you're doing throughout the game. I think it's such a cool idea for, you know, uh, I think that was actually an American Indian thing originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but using that as a mechanic, I think, such an original idea. And I think that's what really makes it such, you know, when people talk about scary games and, you know, the games of that genre, I think Fatal Frame's kind of on its own, you know, its own uh, level, basically, because of that. I would have to say that as far as traditional survival horror goes, it's my favorite game. I was extremely surprised by how much I enjoyed this game. But with that said, I think what we're going to do from here is we're going to end off Games Club. And the fact that we didn't get to finish it, we'd like to continue this uh, conversation maybe a little lighthearted more in the next episode, like after Halloween when we record again. And all of you guys that have done the Games Club with us, thank you. If you finish it and got farther than us, please, like, we, we want to hear your experiences on the forum. So let's go ahead and go off to the end off. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Press Pause Radio. Uh, if you like what you listen to, you can go ahead and review us if you haven't already done so on iTunes or Zoom. And you can also go ahead and go to our website at www.presspauseradio.com. You can find our forums, uh, our store, which is going to get fucking fully launched soon, I promise you. Uh, our social networking sites through Facebook, Twitter, and our community blogs over at the 1UP website as well as Tumblr. Uh, you can follow us, ban us, stalk us, love us, send us anything that isn't lethal, and we, in return, will love you. And Andrew, what <laughs> do they, what can they find in the digital space? Yeah, well, there is one thing I'm not really afraid of, and it's my cellular device. Whether You should listen phone, to this, James. He's probably cellular in this. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, it's one thing I'm not scared of. And, you know, honestly, if I was in a haunted mansion with ghosts everywhere, I probably wouldn't take pictures. I'd probably launch my Press Pause Radio app that I have on my Android device. Um, that way I could probably email you guys all and tell you my last words before I was taken away. Um, but, yeah, if you guys have an Android phone, uh, device, anything like that, we have an app on there. Definitely check it out. helps us a lot, and it also gives you full access to our shows. Um, and also, if you have an iOS device... Um, you can also get that as well. George, I think you kind of know more about that than me. Yeah, that would be through Podcast Box. Once mm-hmm. you download Podcast Box, it is a free app that acts as a hub for our app. And again, it's only $1.99. So you, if any, any help at all would be awesome. And honestly, we're not even outside the whole fact that it costs $1.99. If you like us, it's the fucking app experience. It's the closest way to get into my heart other than meeting me and possibly taking me out to dinner. So just just to go ahead and, and allude to that, James, I wanted to say this for the end of the episode. So in case I creeped you out, that it would be the end of the episode. But I just want you to know that, dude, because of you and I don't know how this is going to make you feel. I don't expect it to make you feel any differently. But you my you are my personal hero ever since I've read any of your work in, in EGM. Basically, you are the catalyst for why I do this and why I want to do this for the rest of my life. So I understand that you are no longer a part of the uh, the press faction and that you're I'm, I'm just i'm happy that you're a part of the industry at all but i just want you to know that like your work changed my life and what oh. i wanted to do with it so i oh, wanted to thank you very flattering <laughs> see <laughs> thanks you for, would creep them out thanks for no, no 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 thanks for sharing that with me i mean uh you know hopefully you get your turn to go you know take this to the next level and you know if you really want to do this for a living man i give you my 100% support. It's it's a it's a great industry, you know, and uh, I've made a lot of great friends because of video games. So you know, hopefully, I've made two more today. That's yeah, yeah. dude. 
we we would be honored if we we're fucking if we we're called friend. So with that, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'd love to have you on any other time. Um, maybe we won't be assholes in that time, but I can't promise you that. Uh, Andrew, hey. Speaking of what he mentioned, you are my best friend. I love you. I am so sorry. Aww. I subjugated you to this fucking madness. I had no idea that you were really like no. fighting. It's cool. No, honestly, it's nice to get out of my comfort zone every once in a while. There's no way I'm going to experience other things without doing that. Um, and James, I'm not going to, you know, really em- embarrass you too much more, but um, I just want to get another life in Van Deal going somehow, somewhere. I don't know if that's a possibility <laughs> ever. But we actually, <laughs> yeah, because of your work, you inspired uh, a, a Final Fantasy XI feature on our site wow. called yeah. uh, Never Forget Sondoria. Oh, and wow. just, I, I just remember the GMR days like that right there. Oh, oh man. Love it. Yeah. It's the best part of that <laughs> magazine. True. You're definitely true. You just dropped GMR in the mix. You're true. Well, <laughs> you know, Georgie boy, I always appreciated your comments on on on, on my blogs and stuff, and uh, that's why I, when you asked me, oh Jesus you, Christ, he actually remembered me. Yeah, <laughs> no, Georgie boy's axe, whatever, whatever yep. crazy mm-hmm. handle was. Um, you know, that's it primarily the reason why I, I, I joined you guys today is because like I, I, I knew I remembered you um, your comments were always thoughtful and insightful and uh, I could appreciate it so it doesn't matter to me whether or not you guys have 50,000 viewers or, or five you know I was like hey I could spend some time with these guys no problem yeah we definitely appreciate it. yeah I think you just made his his entire life right now <laughs> you just did we bonded I feel good let's go ahead and end this show and yep. Thank you guys again for listening. Uh, Keep back in touch. We might take a break because we've been fucking pumping out episodes and articles left and right. So um, until then, it's been an awesome evening. Get the fuck off my lawn. Yeah, we'll see you guys. (laughs)